podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to United R. I'm your host, Carl. I'm Jamie. And I'm Ashwin. We are recording, um, well, it's half 10, so just about 45 minutes or so after the final whistle at Old Trafford on what feels, I mean, like probably the best day ever with regards to where we've been recently. Jamie, I mean, what a win. Brilliant win, mate. Um, I'll be honest, before the game, I was fearing the worst just off of not just last season, but what Liverpool have done to us over the last 18 months, two years, and the malaise around the club, the team, and everything else that goes with it. I was just kind of fearing the worst. And to be treated not only to the result, which is obviously brilliant, uh, the performance was fantastic. And as you said, it's probably the best I've felt football-wise for 12 months or so. It's, it's, It's just a brilliant feeling at the moment it definitely shows you kind of where we've been because i was the exact same i remember i said it at the time but i haven't celebrated a goal like that first goal in so long like yeah i used to always like jump up and shout and fist pump and all that (laughs) kind of stuff i don't know if it's now that i have a baby that's normally asleep or something or gets upset when i do that but i just haven't really done that i don't know if it was also like a covid thing if you weren't you weren't necessarily always watching games you know sociably like you used to and stuff i don't know but i've just I kind of just over the last few years have stopped doing that also because I think I've just it, it's sometimes a bit of a chore watching United even when we do score but I mean I was leaping when that goal went in the first one just because it was such a good goal as well I don't want to jump on too soon because there's other questions to ask but Ashwin that's basically just what I mean I mean that excitement and that kind of vibe from that game I just feel on another level to anything I've seen um, with United in, in what feels like so long yeah I mean I think just honestly just immediately from the start you could tell that they were we've had too many of these matches where it's not even that you lose but it's that you don't even feel like there's any intensity in the in the in the team it's it's very like easy i mean last year i remember we played city we lost 2-0 but it felt like it was a walk in the park it was not competitive at all um and i thought you could see that from the from the beginning that was different and i feel like the crowd could sense it you could you could hear the there was a buzz um and it was a positive buzz like i think a lot of times playing at home especially over the last six to eight months has not been a comforting thing at all for the team and i felt like today they really were able to build off of there was like a frenzy building throughout the match it felt like yeah i mean i just it 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 was so nice to watch them play a match where it felt like it was 11 players all with the, the same exact understanding of what they were trying to achieve throughout the match and when there were mistakes there were teammates covering for them and there was not a lot of pointing of fingers and blaming and not and you know not generally trying to avoid responsibility rather than take it on and and I think some of that probably has to do with Veron coming back in the team I thought he was tremendous um but it was just all around such a great performance and I I, I don't think we can avoid the fact that in a lot of ways, you know, Ronaldo's such a big personality. I think it kind of mutes what other players are allowed to do in a lot of ways. Um, and I just thought they really had a chance to to express themselves without him on there, and it was great to watch. Yeah, and that's that's something worth coming on to um, relatively immediately because it's kind of one of the big. I mean, we we will talk about the game and you know relive the moments, get excited about it all over again, that kind of stuff. But one of the big things here actually was normally the you know, next classic line of the team selection chat, you know, at the start of the pod, um, <laughs> is just something to get through for a lot of our listeners, I imagine. But um, in this instance, actually, it's a really, it's a really interesting talking point because Jimmy, Eric Ten Hag made the big call. It is a big call. It's a big call. I think it's always a big call to drop your captain and to um, drop Cristiano Ronaldo, essentially. Um, but it's even, I think, a bigger call when you're going to play against Liverpool, when you have lost your first two games this season. But then the flip side of that is that we've been so bad that, it, you know, you basically have, I think, on the other side of the coin, carte blanche to kind of do what you want. And no one's really going to, I think, criticise you too heavily for that because, well, it wasn't working to begin with anyway. But the changes were Fred, Maguire, Shaw and Ronaldo dropped. And, I mean, it, it couldn't have worked better, Jimmy, really. No, I agree with that. I think, 
you're right when you say there's two sides to that because two of the guys that get dropped, one's your captain, and it doesn't matter how poorly he's playing, what his form's like, whatever it is. As soon as you drop your captain, that's a massive talking point. And two, you're dropping Ronaldo, and again, doesn't really matter what people's individual opinions are on Ronaldo, you're still dropping Ronaldo. So that was always going to be a talking point. But it wasn't just last week. The performance the week before was so bad in terms of the way the players were playing together. Um, There was just no real chemistry, no cohesion. We were very lethargic. Um, But as much as that spread through the team, and Ten Hag said it in his interview before the game, that at halftime last week he could have made 11 changes really because that's how badly everyone was playing. You can still point to two or three players that are absolutely causing the issues and he's he's taken a hammering for the last, I don't know, 18 months or whatever it is, but Maguire absolutely, absolutely <laughs> is one of them. He just is. Yeah. It's from the way... He doesn't he doesn't organise the defence in a great manner. He's very slow and ponderous with the ball, but maybe you can point to the midfield being an issue for that. But there's so much wrong with his game, his confidence is low, but it just you could literally throw any cliche at Maguire just now and it'll be true. So having everything that's happened in the last two games did give Ten Hag the perfect game to even just say, even though it was against Liverpool, to just say, right, Varane's fit, get him straight in. And even though um, people were wanting to sleep Martinez and he, and he got pulled off at halftime last week, Martinez hasn't played that badly and everyone seems to be, uh, like other pundits and fans seem to be focusing on this, this height thing. And again, Ten Hag addressed that before the game and said, if you actually look at the data, he's dominant in the air. He's winning everything in the air. The only thing that's happened in the air was the goal against Brentford where he slips on the line and Ben Mee just heads it in. That's literally it. So Martinez is never going to get dropped. Maguire absolutely is going to get dropped and I'm I'm just glad he made that call, but I was also glad he made the Luke Shaw call because Shaw just has not been at it at all for I don't even know how long now. And the young guy, Malasia, looks a player, even in that 45 minutes last week. And you can't take much from... A second half performance where you've been absolutely battered in the first half, 4-0. But even his performance in the second half offered a bit of promise where he's wanting to get on the ball, he's wanting to get forward, he's looking to be combative in tackles, he's actually looking like it means something to be on the pitch. And I was really pleased to see him get a start. And I love Ronaldo anybody that listens to the pod or follows me on the forum on my posts, knows I love him, but it's untenable now. Don't don't play him. There's just no point. And even deciding to go with the formation up front where Alanga was off the left, Sancho off the right, and Mars, eh, Rashford through the middle. I kind of agreed even with playing Rashford there instead, just because I thought if Rashford can get back to what we know he can do, Harry and defenders getting right up in their faces and getting after them, that's so much better as an option up front than Ronaldo. And even the change at half-time, bringing Martial on to play that position, both were better options yeah. than Ronaldo. So, as much as there were big calls, in my opinion, there were the right calls, and I was really pleased with the team at the start. Mm, definitely. Um, I think the thing with this is that it's worked, obviously, but it's a totally unique game, you know, in that it's Liverpool. So, I think, you know, we've often seen United choose a, a kind of a different tactical setup. That's not really new ground. You know, it actually in many ways was very like an Ole performance that we previously would have been excited about and that he was generally quite able to get out of this team. Not that it's really the same team. But that's just the thing where I'm thinking then about next week and whether Ronaldo Maguire I mean Ashman, do you think do you think this is a statement that Maguire's captaincy is going to be going or do you think some of these players come back in next week? Is you can have a captain that doesn't start like, I mean, that's yeah. happened at a lot of clubs. I, I don't, I, to me, I think the captaincy matters to a certain extent, but I think it should, I think the idea that if you, if somebody's the captain, they should start every match. That's where it's tricky because I don't think that should ever be the standard. A captain, you can be a leader without playing, right? I'm not saying Maguire is. I have no idea. I don't know how, what the internal dynamics are in the in the dressing room. 
he doesn't strike me as a leader, um, but who the hell knows? But like, I don't think it matters that he is the captain. Uh, he he can't. You can't bring him into the side after a match like that. I think that would set a really bad example. Um, you know, look, I, I, the fact of the matter is, I think Lissandro makes a ton of sense on the left, right? Because he is left-footed. Um, you cannot take Varane out after a match like that. So where is he going to play? You know, it's just a fundamental reality. Like, it just doesn't make Five sense to, to bring him in right now. <laughs> play your captain. Play him the back. Yeah, and, and then, you know, I think the other thing, too, with Lis- uh, with Lissandro is, um, you know, like, I think, I will say this, I think playing a team like Liverpool suits him very well because they're going to keep the ball on the deck, right? They're not going to be playing a lot of aerials. You're not going to have to deal with winning the first ball, winning the second ball. I think that helps us, generally speaking, because our primary issue, I don't think it's actually him winning headers. I think it's about winning the second ball, uh, and that's a team-wide issue. So... I think Casemiro helps a ton with that. And so, like, I just kind of... I, I, the way I'm looking at it, like, if Maguire comes back in, he's going to have to come back in because, one, there's an injury, or two, somebody's just completely out of form. Because right now, like, if you want to create competition for places, right? If you want to create, like... You know, one thing that stands out with City, every time I watch City, is if you're off it, you will come off the... You will come off. He will replace you, like he. And I'm, I'm not saying like buy or sell in the window, but I'm just saying within the course of a match or the course of a season, if you lose form, he is ruthless. He will bring in somebody else until you know you until you get another chance, right? And that's what you need at these top clubs. You cannot have like if you want to be at that level of like a Man City or a Liverpool, right? You have to operate at that level where it's not just oh well. He, he was a world record transfer and we're paying him so much and he's the captain so he has to start that's bullshit you know like that's not a re- that's none of those are reasons to actually start and and if you want to create that atmosphere again that's what it takes it takes like that that should be the marker that's laid down from Aguirre hey you're still in our plans you're still in part of this team but you have to wait your time right like is anybody going to care that Lindelof is out of the team now you know what I mean? Like, there should be no separate standard for Maguire and Lindelof just because one costs eighty million pounds and he's the club captain. That's that's where that's where you get into big problems. It, it totally isn't, and I think as soon as they're at the club, all that has to be removed. But it hasn't been. You know, that's kind of been the thing: is that that narrative and that uh, way of making decisions based on you know who is a personality, what maybe the board thinks the important players are, who has the captain's armband, who cost how much money seems to have been these are non-footballing reasons that have been seeming to seep into football tactics and football decisions and i'm just pleased uh, you know it's only one game so i think we can't read too much into it I, obviously i think mcguire will play a decent amount of minutes but you know it's it's tough for him because you know uh, again it's one game but they looked like a good pair yeah. today you know they yeah, looked dabbled i thought it made delo look better i thought uh you know i don't think it's any coincidence that malastia can just come in and play an extremely good game and he has two good centre-backs and Maguire does often seem to and this is just a rag on Maguire for 20 minutes opening to this uh, thing but you know, he is kind of like a nervous conductor I think sometimes that he's actually trying so hard to to be the man but often it just comes out in terms of nerves and petulance and anxiety that then spreads across the back four possibly not totally down to him and I do think Jimmy you're right that some of the criticisms and focus on him has been a wee bit over yeah. the top in general, over the last sort of year, 18 months, I, I think he's a better player than, than he's getting slated for. But also, I think he's been allowed to keep playing and playing and playing in this kind of doom spiral um, that he hasn't been able to pull himself or us out of, which is a big task. So in many ways, you know, a breakout of the team, whilst it's tough because he is the club captain, it's probably the best thing for him. It's just whether that captaincy should be moved or not. And Ashman, I take your point um, on that in terms of there's been, I mean, we had Ashley Young as a captain. We've had plenty of captains. Who didn't really always play and were kind of older players, but when Inter won the treble, wasn't Materazzi the captain and he never played? Zanetti, I think it was. Right. But it, but it still comes down yeah. to it still comes down to kind of buy-in, though. I do still yeah. think it's important, yeah. and I think it, it's one thing if you've had an incredible career and are just not starting because of age or whatever, but you've earned your coin and, and you have the respect of the dressing room. But I think to have to have kind of come in, presided over a basically awful period been basically replaced due to your due to quality reasons essentially that there's a better pairing there 
and then to retain the captainship. And I mean, you'd have to be a great bloke around the dressing room for anyone to have any kind of real, you know, buy into anything he's going to say. But again, the role of the captain probably wildly overrated um, in modern football bias. Um, to get back to the actual game, Jimmy, I thought the first 20 minutes we were superb. Yeah. Absolutely superb. I just thought everyone was singing off the hymn sheet. I thought we looked youthful and energetic again. I thought players that have been looking horrific lately showed belief and were able to get at Liverpool. Do you, do you put that down to just something having to break and the players eventually being so embarrassed of uh, recent performances that they just got after it? Or is it is it because of the personnel? I mean, wh- why were we able to play such good football? Then? I think there was a few things. I think the changes definitely had an effect. I mean, for all the reasons that we already spoke about, bringing in some personnel who hadn't started the season in their starting positions that were coming on as substitutes or were only getting a couple of minutes here and there. Um, they were coming in and wanting to obviously really put a marker down and show why they should be in the team. Um, I think the reaction, not just from the press, but from fans, both United fans and non-United fans, over the last couple of performances, I genuinely think that must have put a bit of fire in them as well um, to try and go out and prove. You know, they've got a bit more about them. And I just think the fact it's Liverpool as well, I mean... That it didn't happen last season, of course, it didn't. Liverpool turned up after like <laughs> 10 minutes, but tonight they just actually yeah. did seem to genuinely be the atmosphere around the game that you would expect from a derby against Liverpool. And I do wonder if we had all the protests and things like that before kickoff, and so that added to the atmosphere as well. But it genuinely just seemed like when the players were coming out at the start, the atmosphere was already there. It was already electric, really cracking, and you could hear the pundits kind of kept saying it through the game. You know, the atmosphere really dropped at all through the game, and I think that led to the fast start. And we got off to such a fast start. I genuinely thought for the first twenty minutes, Liverpool looked absolutely shell shocked, as if they genuinely just did not like. Obviously, we we are saying it ourselves. We didn't expect it. Liverpool absolutely didn't expect it because the defense was. The defence was all over the place the first 25 minutes. They literally just could not live with the three front guys getting really fast, pressing really high up the pitch. The midfield three. I mean, McTominay, the, the chance that we have actually before even the first goal, it's a great pass by McTominay yeah. in behind and then Bruno does really well to react quickly and Alanga should score, but hmm. that was because we were... Yeah. We're, Although he doesn't do badly, you know, he hits the post, I think he does yeah, pretty he's, well. Yeah, he's unlucky. He does everything he, right. He, and just, he should score, know. I think, in my opinion, but he's unlucky because it comes up him fast, he's not got much time to react, it's literally just a, a first-time hit, he beats the goalie, and he's just unlucky, it hits the foot of the post, but it, all of that came just from stepping up the pitch an extra 10 yards. Instead of standing off them and letting them play, we just got after them, literally right across the front. If they managed to beat the press... The midfield three pushed up really high and we're getting right into the gaps as well. And then, as I kind of said, the back four was a lot more settled tonight and even just, there was one tackle on the near side when Darlow snaps into Diaz and it's not a bad tackle, it's just a full-blooded challenge you would expect in the derby. And even things like that were just getting the fans back on side for the game. It just made everybody just a bit more up for it. And... You could just see the confidence just started to come back. And then the fact that we get the first goal, that just, I think that helped massively. I mean, if, we, if we'd have started that fast and then something else happened, obviously, you don't know what happens at that point. Yeah. But Well, I, I think we're always, I think we're, like, I think we are and will be for a very long time a team that is still yeah. fragile. Like, I, I think if we go to any big team and concede first, you know, even if there was just, say we were dominant there for 15 minutes or whatever, it played the game exactly the way it had gone. But Liverpool just squeaked the chance and scored. You could just see it yeah, collapse. I agree just, with that. It, just, you know, I don't think a team can kind of experience so much negativity as ours has over the last year and a half or whatever, and and get over that so quickly. You know that that won't be an issue. And for that reason, hopefully, we always start pretty fast. But I mean, just coming on with the goal, I honestly loved that goal so much. There was just so much good about it. You know, the initial ball in behind. I don't know who played it, but for Rashford, he really had to get. Oh yeah, the Bruno it. pass. He then cuts back inside, lays it back. Bruno then zings across like this lovely pick out for Ericsson who just has the kind of 
presence of mind and, and comfortableness they just sort of dance over a challenge without uh, losing it and, and you know taking a snapshot or giving it away and then I think he lays it off and then there's a great pass on the first time from Martinez who stepped yeah. right up to whip it straight out to the left wing and then the one-two comes off between Alanga and uh, Malasia maybe or sorry Alanga and um, Ericsson I think it is at that point and then the pullback as you say picks out Sancho and then I mean Sancho my goodness the feet and the, mm. the just the composure to pick out just the bottom corner and the absolute best part of that goal is do you see the replay Bruno's pointing yeah, at the bottom the corner, corner like, number, sure. while Sancho's just like checking his watch and fixing his hair and you know seeing what's going on around him and you know Bruno's like stick it in the corner and he just you know sticks it in the corner what a good I, goal like literally everything about it just composed clinical crisp I was that's the kind of football yeah. I want to see do you think Sancho moved more on that play or Van Dyke? Oh my god, that's terrible defending. Um, I couldn't believe Van it. Van Dyke probably, yeah. <laughs> Just about, yeah. And Milner was not happy about that and then continued to not be happy. I mean, it was quite a fracturous Liverpool well, they, we saw. They, and I, I do he actually seemed to be arguing quite a, few, quite a few times in the second half. I, it, like, Milner and... Something's, something's off. Something is off yeah. there. They don't seem... Something feels a wee bit off, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, even like, just... forget Forgetting even like them arguing, even just their... Like the way they they combined, it wasn't sharp at all. Uh, I th- I felt like Sa- like Salah, you know, he's up against Malasia the entire match, right? If you're Liverpool, that should be like the entire match, right? You're just feeding him. You're just feeding him. And I think even at halftime, I, I, maybe it was you, Jamie. Somebody messaged in our group about how they're just gonna go at Delo in the second half because he's on a yellow. And it like they just never got those guys isolated against our fullbacks. Now, like some of that is obviously deserved credit. Like we were very together we kept our shape well and all these things but for a side like liverpool you would expect them to to find those mismatches right just find those matchups and let their players you know attack and it just the fact that they didn't was really surprising to me um that midfield i mean look james milliner is 75 years yeah. old now like he needs to just give it up <laughs> yeah and he still, still uh, absolutely henderson, gets a boat um, henderson, henderson coming off was just fantastic. I enjoyed that so much. Um, actually, Elliot actually looked pretty good, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but Henderson was Yeah, he's tidy. Terrible. He doesn't really affect things too much, but he's very tidy. I think, uh, to be fair, when Fabinho came on, obviously they're chasing the game, and, and we're sitting back at that point, but I thought he immediately made a difference for them. He mm-hmm. just wasn't fit enough to start, and I wonder if that would have made a difference, because um, he definitely just anchors them and, and, and takes a lot of stress out of their play. And then, obviously, Thiago's the other big miss, I think, at the moment, because, as you say, I don't necessarily think it's an issue with Salah or Diaz. Um, I think the ball's not really getting to them in the appropriate right. way. It all seemed a bit right. slow and a bit ponderous and kind of build the uppy. I also think a big part of that, Ashwin, which is kind of the next point I just wanted to touch on, is that is it just as simple as the fact that running is actually quite important in football? <laughs> I feel like we've just really learned this over the last week. And that is basically the revelation um, that has just dawned on some of our players is that if you if you run quite a lot and sprint, it's on the one hand, much harder for your opponent and often very easier for you. And I just feel like we've seen this at the start of this Premier League. It's been like, there's a there's a spotlight on it. You know, we saw yeah. Palace just do loads of running against the their Chelsea match. success. We yeah. saw Chelsea yeah, yeah. yesterday, or you know, over the weekend. Absolutely. I thought Arsenal have ran more than anyone basically in the Premier League this year and, and, they, and they look great for it. And it just, you know, it just seems like the simplest thing in the world. Um, and yet, it just again is reinforced how important it is if your players can do that. And I thought, I thought we did that extremely well. I thought I've never seen Sancho put in a shift like that. I thought Rashford was extremely good in the press, but it was all coordinated. Bruno was a madman, and we'll come on to him, you know, individually later. But I just thought <laughs> as a team we we pressed so well, and that that alleviated so much of the kind of quick turnarounds and the exposure that they're able to get at our back forward to the point where we were already back in shape and we were harrying them so hard. No, I didn't think we were quite able to maintain it. I mean, it was pretty a wee bit dicey going into half time, and then you know we rode it out in the second half as well. But broadly, you know, it was much better than I've seen in a long time, and I thought, um, you know, that was a, a great way, even to be tested like that at the end of the first half and just you know need to defend responsibly for five minutes. You know, is something that is nice to see us do successfully because so often we we're so brittle and we crack, you know, under that kind of pressure. Um, so an awesome way to end the first half as well and just there we'll take a quick ad break and come back and chat about some of those individual performances 
So, Jamie, one of the individual performances that I was so pleased with, because um, he just seems like a lovely bloke, um, was Malassia. Um, I thought that was really, really superb. And as you touched on before, it's been a good sort of, well, 130 minutes or so for him. But, I mean, he looks like a real player. Yeah, he looks fantastic. I mean, what was it, £15 million or whatever it was for for him. And I think Shaw's got a very, very difficult job getting him out of the team because I know Salah scores, but, you know, it's off a deflection. Malassia just kept Salah quiet for the entire game, just mapped him out of the game. And it wasn't like, it was just the defensive part that was excellent. He offers so much going forward. He's calm with I mean, the ball, he's he's not rushed. There was three or four times, you know, in the second half when Liverpool were starting to just build a bit of momentum and he picks up the loose ball and instead of just hitting an aimless kind of pass anywhere, it's it's a square pass to Martinez and he immediately he's on the move to receive it back, play it up the line, whether it's a good pass inside, then makes the run up the outside, he's always available. Um, he seems pretty good in the air as well, actually. Like he's all, he can fight quite well in the air, which is always a good strength for a fullback as well. I mean, I just it sounds so simple, right? Because you hear like Keane talking about it all the time about you know heart, desire, character, whatever you want to call it. But it's so true when you see a player, especially a young player, have so much endeavour and just is willing to die for the shot and yeah. to use another cliche but there was like so many occasions I, I I just caught myself like you know fist pumping as if well done wee man and it was like the chances <laughs> yeah. where the ball was like running to the corner and rather than let it go out for the corner he's sprinting after it and just smashing it into touch for a throw in see even things like that where you can yeah. show you're willing to do everything that's necessary to do your own job to help your teammates out and getting up and like high fiving Martinez every time they would either of them done a block. There was a lot of he's that. Just a th- there was a lot of that. He's a thoroughly, thoroughly likable guy, and yeah. I just want him to just keep playing left back. I think it's the kind of signing we've we've missed out on quite a lot lately, where it's that you know yeah. like that slightly risky bracket, or maybe we've made them and they just haven't quite worked out. You know, which is also a good argument for that. But I think that gives a lot of energy to a squad. I don't think you always want one kind of player to squad in a squad or like one all players at one stage of their career or whatever, you know, a squad full of superstars or whatever, I think it makes a lot of, um, if there's a lot of worth in having players coming up and, and giving that energy to the other players and, and other people feeding off that. Um, that I That's think. how, like, any company works, right? Like, you don't want everybody yeah. to be in the same stage of their careers. Actually, when that happens yeah. is when things tend to stagnate and, like, you don't really progress any further. And I think, um, you know, what Malasia gives you is, like, look, there's going to be matches, there are even instances today, right, where they got in behind him or he wasn't sure when to like cut off the, you know, force the man out wide. He, there are things that like he messed up, but the difference is like he has that energy as, cause he's, you know, he's what, 20, 21, whatever he is. He has that energy and just kind of like, he's too young and stupid to know what, like how big this moment is, you know, like you're playing Liverpool. The club is in like this horrible kind of situation but he just doesn't, he doesn't know any better, right? He doesn't know any better than to like just... Well, it doesn't know better and also hasn't experienced better. Do you know what I mean? So, and you know, not to fire a dig at Casemiro, but I'm just pleased to see a player who, this is a big step for them. You know, playing, you yeah. know, yeah. what I've been saying about yeah. this window is that I want someone, yeah. and I'm not saying that Casemiro doesn't, and actually, I mean, we'll talk about him later. I don't want to spoil that, but he, he seems like a super lovely bloke. But um, you just want that person who, thinks this is my shot and I'm going to grab it and has the right kind of personality to actually do that. But I, I, I'm I, looking forward to seeing a bit more of him on the ball. I mean, the two things that are really standing, well, three things that are standing out to me about him at the moment is energy, first of all. He, I think he shames Luke Shaw. He just looks so much fitter, so much nippier and so much more willing of a runner, um, which is, is, a big, is a big deal. Obviously, running is important, guys. Um, and then, you know, his... His, de- his defensive work just seems really, really sharp and really good. He really bites into the tackle, which I like. I yeah. So many times watching United, you just see us back off, back off, back off, back off. Like the whole team's instruction is never to make a tackle unless you're in their half or something. It's crazy to me. Whereas he really likes to snap in. And if the ball's there to be won, he'll, he'll go and win it. And then the other thing is just, I think he seems like he has a really good attitude, personality kind of thing. I just want to see more of him on the ball, maybe in an attacking sense, stuff like that. So, 
you know, hopefully if he does start next week in games where we'll have more of the ball, I'd be really pleased to see it. He played a little bit within himself, which is totally understandable, right? I think yeah. he was he he clearly did not want to leave Mo Salah at all. Like at like he just wanted to stay within touching distance of him. But like I, I think in preseason we saw a little bit of it, obviously. Um, but you know, everything I've read about him and all all the stuff I've seen, he's definitely a fullback who wants to get forward. We know Ten Hag wants his fullbacks to get forward and you know, whether that be underlapping and kind of playing in a, in a midfield overload or overlapping and providing width. I think there's obviously multiple things you can do. But um, if the thing is, if nothing else, this again forces Shaw into a situation where, like, do I think Balassia is going to start the entire rest of the season? No. But when Shaw gets his chance, and Shaw will get another chance, he knows that he has to take it. He can't just come in and amble around and, you know, jiggle around the, the pitch. You know, he's got to actually be in shape. <laughs> And harsh. he's got to do sprints, and he's got to, like, it's... <laughs> totally, yeah. But if it gets the best out of Shaw for a year, it's still it's still a good thing, you know? It was just, it was honestly, it was unprofessional, and it was insulting, the first two matches, his performance. Uh, like, he just looked absolutely so far off the required level. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's obviously a good thing that when he does come back in the side, and again, yeah. he's going to get another opportunity at some point, he knows that if he doesn't take his opportunity, there's this 21-year-old kid who... Doesn't I think he had a he had a comment or quote a few weeks ago where they asked him something about like you know how do you feel about like you know not not starting or you know coming off the bench being an understudy something like that and he said something like I'm not like I I don't I'm not here to just be on the bench you know like I want to play mm. um, which is obviously everybody wants to play but I think you can see that in his application on the pitch um, and you see it and, and he also just provides like you talked about running but like. And it's it is funny, like yes, running is important. But you watch the Premier League now, especially every team is pressing, every team is running like crazy. So when you don't have it, when you have a team that, like quite frankly, at times last year, a team was just old and not athletic. And now you take a player and you put a player like Malasia in, who is athletic, who is has the energy to run all day, and all these things. Like that's a huge step up from what you were getting from that position. And, like, I mean, think about what we were looking at last year, right? We had Tellez playing there, and he can't even move. Um, So, yeah, I think it's just, it's not even necessarily how good he is yet. It's just there are physical attributes he brings to the table that we just do not have uh, at that position other than him. So, Jimmy, this might be a tough one for you, given your um, professional love for Cristiano Ronaldo, but (laughs) do you think we are simply a better team with the front three of Rashford, Sancho, Martial. This front three that we thought we were going to get last year that we never got with the young up-and-coming, I say up-and-coming, I mean, Martial's getting on a bit, but, you know, with the mobile (laughs) young forwards who are being given their chance, you know, to have their Manchester United kind of thing. And I know Alanga started today. He obviously comes in on that bracket. I think that's just because obviously Tony, he was having his minutes managed. I thought the halftime sub was excellent i thought that was an excellent choice before the second half even happened i was happy to even stand over it if it went wrong kind of thing and but is there just an argument that we would just be a better team in terms of the press in terms of the fluidity in terms of the ego without ronaldo and that is acknowledging that he scored whatever 20 goals last year and is clearly a great player yeah um i've actually kind of got two trains of thought on it because the first one is absolutely like even if you just take this game in isolation playing Marshall looked unreal he yeah. looked unreal when he came because that, that's kind of what I was going to say so even if you pick the three to start the game so Langa on the left Rashford through the middle Sancho on the right literally as we've already kind of covered from the first minute they're pressing like crazy really high up the pitch it's then allowing the midfield three behind them to push five yards further up and kind of almost go man for man right across the pitch. So even if Liverpool managed to get the first pass out, the next lot of players are immediately then being pressed again. And that's that was giving them such a problem. And I agree with you. I thought the sub at half time I thought was, was brilliant because as much as Alanga does well to set up the first goal, I just thought the last kind of 15 minutes or so of the first half pass by kind of without anything really coming from him. And when I saw Martial coming on, I thought that's a really good sub that. 
get Alanga off, get Rashford onto the left, continue pressing like crazy, get Martial through the middle, and then whatever it is, within 10 minutes, you get the second goal. And Well, it, I mean, the second goal is exactly what you're looking for, isn't it? You know, like, that's that's kind of the dream. Yeah, but with regards to Ronaldo, I mean, in a nutshell, did we score either of those goals tonight when Ronaldo's playing through the middle? No. That's, that's the long and short of it, you don't. Because you've not got players pulling wide left and right for either of the goals, pinning the full-backs back, giving the centre-halves a problem, allowing the guy in the middle to actually make a decision with which way he's going to pass the ball. I also think because Ronaldo's <laughs> playing and because it is Ronaldo, there's so many times last season and even in the first two games this season when he has played, I feel like players feel like they have to pass it to him because he's Ronaldo. So even if he's just standing up front, not really offering anything, he's got a man on him. I just feel like too many times, especially the young guys like Sancho, and then even guys like Rashford who are a little bit older, I still feel like they almost feel like they have to pass it to him just just because of who he is. And I think from a playing point of view, even just going off of one game, I don't see how you can start him um, at the moment because either... The formation that started the game, or the formation from half-time onwards, is a much better option for the football that Ten Hag's wanting to play with a lot higher energy. The second train of thought is, for everything that's happened this summer, from his own attitude and his behaviour and everything else going with it, I just don't, I, I don't see why it should really continue any longer. I mean, yeah, I love the guy. I think he's probably one of my favourite players ever if not my favourite player ever. But it's not working and just looking at us looking at us, I just I just I just don't think we get any better with him coming back in. I really don't. I think we need to go with the route that's been started tonight and added to everything else that's happened in the summer. I just think it's better if we just kinda cut ties and just move on from it now, to be honest. I mean I completely agree. I would love it if we somehow managed to offload him. I hope his agent is working super hard at that and he does anything he feels he needs to do because I don't think he was happy, you know, obviously to be benched today. Kind of, I don't know if anyone watched on Sky, but he came over at the start of the match when he was going to be yeah. doing his warm-up to have a moment, which I thought was pretty pretty not cool again. You know, you're you're meant to be you know, warming up, I get you're a sub and it's not really that important. Some people might say, oh, it was a nice moment, but like he can he can shake Gary Nev's hand literally any day of the week. You must see him literally every week and I've never seen him do that before. Blanking Jamie Carragher was yeah, that's all right. funny. Yeah, like, that's yeah, fine. That. that is good. But like literally, literally Gary Nev is at every single Old Trafford game. So that's bound. And he's never once came across before except in the game when he's he's not starting and stuff like that. You know, I just think it's a bit... It was a bit, um, maybe. It was a, it was a lot of like, look at me, look at me. Know. I'm still here, kind of stuff, like attention yeah. seeking. And that's the way it always is. Um, the other thing I think, to your point, Jimmy, is that, um, you know, about other players playing the wrong way when he's on the pitch. I mean, he came on, and then in the 90th minute, he he sort of spanked a chance for himself. We then recycled the ball. Bruno got it. Ronaldo was like near the back post and stuck his hand yeah. up. There was no pass on. Never mind the fact that Bruno just had it in the left hand corner. It's like the ninety second minute. You're winning two one. What should you do in that situation? Try and set up your mate Ronaldo at the back post so that he can you know get a goal and pad his stats. Like all he's interested in doing. And he played the pass. I was like, are you high? That is unbelievable. You have a man over here on the left hand side. Just keep it for literally the rest of this game. We're not needing to score in the ninety third minute. Certainly not just because Ronaldo needs a goal to remain relevant. Like I just thought that is the perfect example of why it's always just Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Ronaldo. And I just I would love to see him gone now at this point. And I have huge, you know, respect for his footballing career, but I don't want him at the club anymore. Yeah, so I, I think Ten uh, Laurie Whitwell, the athletic, he said that Ten Haga let let Bruno have it after that pass. So, um, I, yeah, I was I'm glad because that so is so mad. Because I, mean, I, I saw I saw the run Ronaldo was making, and I was like, "Don't yeah, stick his hand just up. don't do it." Don't. I I knew he was gonna do it as soon as I was like, "I knew he was gonna try this pass." Well, and it's like that's a pass you try if it's if it's if it's tied, or you're trying to win, yeah. like you're you're chasing a goal. I get it, but like there is just it's this complete wrong decision. Um, but yeah. Bruno, like he had the most insane match today, where it was like. Well, I was just going to come on him. That was the next thing. My, like he was obviously our captain. It was just every, and... every two or three minutes, 
my opinion of like how he was playing changed. I was like, oh my god, yeah, he's working crazy. so hard. And then he had that thing at the in the first half where he got the ball kind of in the midfield line, and then he dribbled back towards Arnett, and he's like trying to find a pass, and then he gets he, I forgot who it is. I think it might have been Henderson that that tackled him, and then he loses yeah. it, and it's just like. Like, what are you doing? And he just had these... But you know what? Like, you can live with that when he gives you the work rate he was giving you today and that desire. Like, it looked like watching the guy that we saw for the first year and a half he was at United, right? Where it was like, he drives you nuts, but you'll live with that because of... You know that over the course of a season, he's going to give you the work rate, and ultimately he will give you that end product. Um, obviously he didn't get an assist or a goal today, but I just thought he looked way better. I didn't think he overcomplicated it at times where he has overcomplicated in the past. I mean, he was pretty unlucky to not get an assist, right? Alanga, um, hit the post early in the first half. So yeah, I just thought he looked really, he looked really sharp and he was really up for it. Um, and yeah, maybe. What about not giving the ball back when they scored? (laughs) Oh, I loved it. I absolutely (laughs) loved it. That's that's yeah, that's my kind that. of shit house really that. Oh, I, I hated it. Like I hated it. Do it for like do it for like a bit, but don't he was gonna keep it for the rest of the evening. Christ. Apparently apparently Klopp wasn't happy about it, so he was letting him have it a little bit on the sideline. But um mm, you know, I just it, it was it was you know what what was the best thing about the end of the match was like minus what we just talked about with Bruno. But it felt like like even that, right, with the him trying to hold on to the ball. It felt like they understood, okay, look, we don't need to score another goal. We just need to survive the last 10, 15 minutes. And I thought they were really like managing the time in a way that was more mature and calm. And it was like such a stark contrast to, do you remember the, the Champions League last year, the second leg at Old Trafford against Atletico, where it felt like the last 30 minutes, they had no idea what they're doing. They're just chasing the ball yeah. and they're committing stupid foul after stupid foul and it was like the exact opposite of that you know um and it was just it was great to see and i thought martial like that he had a dribble uh you know th- they had the ball for a ton of the last five minutes and i think it was into extra time probably the third minute of extra time uh we got the ball out and van der beek laid it off to him on the on the touchline and martial i mean he starts taking guys on and he dribbles in field and i'm like what are you doing uh, but he just completely left Van Dyke for dead, and Van Dyke had to foul him, and yeah. it was just like, I was like, you know, where have you been the last two years? What what's going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He is. I mean, Marshall is absolutely tempting us all into the the world's greatest gotcha when he inevitably goes back to being useless because at the moment <laughs> he looks like like the everything you want in a number nine. And I don't know if it's just because he's going back to number nine or he's just wised up or whatever. It's just a purple patch. We've seen them before, but I mean. Like, and we've probably said this a million times, won't Marshall, but like he's big and he's quite strong. You know, he's holding off Van Dyke, but then he's holding off a big, massive, top quality centre back and also just at the same time taking the silkiest of touches and like turning him like and like a knife through butter. And he's just he has all the class in the world if he could just He was toying he was toying with Van Dyke today. Like some of his hold, his hold up play was like I mean, that was I think that was the big thing that I, and I know that's why he wanted to get him on, but like Rashford, when he plays through the middle, right, he's always going to live on that 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 ball. Uh, right? over like the, he's over always trying to get him behind, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and I think Martial, what he does is he his hold up play. I mean, he's the only guy at the club we have now that that brings that to the table because Ronaldo, like as much as we've used him as a striker, yeah. Ronaldo doesn't have that in him, and you know he that was never really his game, right? So like Martial has that, and I think. Really, you can see it with Rashford. Like, it makes sense why they have generally worked well together, right? Because Martial can hold the ball up. That brings the center halves in. And now, all of a sudden, Rashford has space to run into. And it's like... And then, you know, you had TAA out there who had no idea what he was doing for 90% yeah, of the match. Yeah, he was so. getting abs- Exactly. Uh, people love that, obviously, because people love to watch him get absolutely roasted defensively because he's obviously <laughs> so good going forward. But uh, it's always great to see, as far as I can tell, particularly when uh, it's us. And Rashford actually usually has a good bit of um, success against him. But, yeah, I agree. Marshall, I think, his whole of play is so missed. It, it's exactly what the team needs. I mean, I just thought the last sort of 30 minutes of the first, well, 20 minutes of the first half, that's, the ball just wouldn't stick anywhere. And it was totally different when he came on, even as the pressure came and came and came, I just think he gives you that camp. It's just by keeping him involved, I think, you know, and keeping him going. But I really think that's why a fluid front four with Bruno behind them and Ericsson as well, who I thought again had a quietly very, very good game. 
um, really just suits us a million times better than than playing with um, Ronaldo up there. So, Jimmy, final thing, kind of on the match side of things, who is your player of the match? Because I think it's quite tough to pick. Do you know, I think just because he's had a bit of a, well, a rocky start from the media and things like that already. I think you've, Martinez has got to be in the discussion because I just thought he was brilliant tonight. Like, brought a real passionate side to his defending as well. And kind of similar to what we're saying about Malassia, like, yeah. just snapping into tackles. And again, I quite like shithousery in football. And the little head push on Milner when he was getting up was brilliant. The next time Milner gets the ball, he smashes him in a tackle that's totally fair as well. And there was another one where I think it was Elliot bumped into him from behind just when the ball was going out for a goal kick. And he just flattens himself on the floor, just kind of killing a few other seconds. And I was like, do you know what? I'm fed up with having a team. They're just full of players that don't really do any of that. Like, you look at every other team in the league, whether it's Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, whoever... There's guys that just know the dark arts of football and he definitely looks like he's going to be good at that as well as just being a very good defender and I was impressed with him. But the other def- the other guy I think absolutely needs to be singled out for praise is Varane. I thought Varane's performance tonight was absolutely fantastic. Like genuinely fantastic. But it was best performance for us by, yeah, by I mean, a distance probably. I've seen... Uh, Already in the forum, somebody said it was like a Rolls Royce of a performance, like how Rio used to put in, just confident on the ball, not having to do many tackles because he's already read the danger before it's there. There was one sliding tackle in the first half that was incredible, and it actually then helps us set up to get right on the counter immediately after it. He was a real leader as well because there was two or three times where the camera kind of caught him turning around and bollocking players, just even if they were just slightly off their position and he was turning around and basically letting the players know that they needed to get back into position, they needed to cover, if they needed to pass the ball a bit quicker, whatever it was, he was the one that was telling them that. And it, it between the leadership qualities he showed, between the actual defensive side of his game as well, I just thought he was absolutely excellent. And God, I hope he can stay fit because that would absolutely be my centre-back pairing for the season. Stick with the stake in the ground now and just say that's them, but it's hard to argue because they honestly <laughs> they look great. And I think Varane, you know, like that was definitely his best performance in the United shirt that I've seen. He, he looked totally top class in, in a more sort of understated way, I think, because as you say, Martinez, there is a lot of passion there. He was rushing out to a lot of blocks and putting his body on the line and throwing himself around the place, which we all love to see. But it kind of draws the eye a bit more. But probably actually Varane was, I mean, statistically had slightly a better game, but they just looked like a really, really solid partnership. Uh, Ashwin, anyone else chuck in? I think maybe Marcus Rashford is is up there. If you don't want to go for one of the two centre backs, I I thought I thought Rashford was really good. I thought his energy was really good. I I wouldn't. I don't think he was the man of the match. I know he scored a goal, but I thought there were stretches in the first half, especially where you could see that. Like, I think that's why we needed Martial to come on because there was stretches where you needed somebody who could get the ball with their back, the goal, yeah. and just hold the play up and get out of tight spaces. Um, so that's like not really a criticism of Rashford's performance, but it's like that's a limitation of his game. Um, so I, I wouldn't say he was man of the match. I, I think it has to be one of the center backs for sure. Um, I I would probably just say Mar- Martinez because I thought he. I'd rather just give it to the one that who's like not won all loads of medals and trophies <laughs> and is like an established international and all these things. But yeah, I mean Varane was he was he was tremendous. I agree that like he. He looked like a leader today. It looked he felt like, and I don't again. This is like not. I don't. I don't know how this stuff works. I don't. I don't think it's fair to blame this on Maguire or anything. But it felt like without Maguire there, right? There is no captain on the pitch, really. Like Bruno's the sub captain, whatever. Um, but like it felt like Varane stepped into that void and felt like, okay, this is my back line. I have to marshal it. I have to like direct the traffic i have to tell everybody it, it felt very like a commanding performance um but there was something about martinez's performance that's like very it's very uh premier league friendly that's probably the good way to put it uh he was very full-blooded in a lot of challenges yeah. i love the block he had on sala on a rebound i think in the first half 
where he yeah. just came running out, blocked it, went out for a corner. Um, he's he's just like you can already tell he's just got that. We I don't know if he's going to be a success or not, but if he is not a success, it will not be because he is getting overpowered physically. Really, yeah, like, he doesn't have the stomach court kind of thing. Yeah. I like his mentality. He is definitely willing to mix it up. I like that he, you know, he gave Milner a little extra yeah, after he uh, rolled him off the off the pitch. Uh, that was. Yeah, that was nice to see. Milner didn't like it. Milner didn't like a lot of things today. Um, if we're just being completely objective, I'd probably have to say Veron also. He was just, he, he looked like a different level to everybody else. He did. I think he did sort of just look like the best player on the pitch, um, which is, is definitely what you want from like a commanding centre-back performance. I think obviously the other um, person we haven't really touched on who deserves a lot of credit is Eric Ten Hag. So just a quick one on him. But I mean, really from the selection to the in-game management, to the making the players run the deficit of miles that we ran less um, than uh, Brentford, and to you know the motivation that he clearly has instilled, and how much of that is, is down to him and his work during the week, and just how much of that is the situation that the players have, have found themselves in in the opening two games, and the kind of the media and the, the outrage oh. kind of thing you know around the performances. But... The credit still has to go to him. I thought that all the selections were bang on. All the changes were bang on. McTominay had a good game. Everyone had a good game. Everyone was ready to go. Um, and uh, the end game, the end game stuff was great too. So really well managed, and uh, a big plus point for him. I'm sure after after a rocky start to his United career. Um, we take another short ad break, but after that we will chat about some of the protest stuff and some of hopefully our new signings before the window shuts. So yeah, it's been mentioned a few times, obviously, so far on the pod about how the energy at Old Trafford and the um the kind of buzz that was there really seemed to bleed into that performance, Jamie. Um, obviously, we had um a huge um by all accounts protest um with a with a really big kind of uh turnout um before the match um at around seven marching down and really all targeted at um what the fans want which is really the sale of the club um, and by all accounts super well attended largely organized by the 1950th society and you know all from what i've seen and obviously we're recording straight after the match so i'll have to kind of jump in and digest everything about it because i think probably most of us were watching sky and just getting ourselves sorted before the match who weren't there you know personally but from the bits i've seen um it, it seemed it seemed totally um totally kind of peaceful, respectful, but pointed, you know, and, and, and meaningful. And, and it certainly seemed to have an impact on the game. Yeah. Um, obviously, as you say, we're just coming straight off the back of watching the game and just having a quick look on social media. And it does look like it was very peaceful, which is good. And I know that both the 1958 and Must both said that the end game of the protest was absolutely to be, to be as peaceful as possible, to not causing any bother and there was actually a wide shot just before the game started um and dave jones mentioned the fact that the the protest had just started and it showed you this wide shot and it did look like around about ten thousand fans or so we're all kind of walking up you know i can't remember the name of the road but the the road up from the pub all the way through up to past the industrial estate towards old trafford you can actually see on the wide shot thousands and thousands of United fans making their way up to the stadium and even while that protest was going on there already was kind of thousands of fans standing outside the Trinity statue as well you could see that on the wide footage and I know that that's where the that's where the protest was marching up to so it did look as though it was particularly well attended as well and look we all know we want the Glazers out everybody's exactly the same in terms of that that objective um and things like last week, you know, Ratcliffe kind of even just making it known that he's interested in buying the club, he's interested in speaking to the Glazers about that. Even just that opportunity arising has just is just gave a bit more fuel to the movement, which is good. And as we said, we want everything to be as peaceful as possible. You don't want disruption and things like potentially having the game called off and all that. You don't really want that because that's, that's the negative side. You want peaceful protests and like we have seen so far and again, if anything has happened, we're not aware of it at the moment. But I just think if that momentum can continue 
it's all for the better, really, because we've seen it a few times before, both when the, the club was originally bought out in 2005, then there was a green and gold movement in the 9-10 season, there was a wee bit of it around the Super League, and then it's, it's hard to keep the momentum going, and we don't know if the momentum will carry through for a particularly long period of time, but if things keep happening like tonight, where it's peaceful, it's well attended, and it's well organised, personally I'd be happy to see it happen for as long as possible, as long as obviously it's going to actually lead to significant change. Yeah, totally, and, and um, that's a million dollar question. Ultimately, no one will really know if the Glazers will give a fiddle, you know, about the whole thing. But ultimately, I think at the end of the day, as fans, you'll never know that. So ultimately, you can either do nothing, or you can do something, and even if you do something and it appears to have no effect whatsoever, you've still done your bit and 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 made your feelings known, and and you'll know that at least you know you know if you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the raffle essentially. And I think it will have some impact, as you say, the the Ratcliffe news to me that was like. It, it overshadowed our transfer business. You know, I, I became immediately switched off from the last two or three weeks of the window and just wanted to know about whether there was anything in this, whether the Glazers would consider it, all that kind of stuff. Because to me, that is much more exciting, you know, than, you know, a shiny new toy at the end of what is a disastrous window, essentially. Um, and, and to me, that is still should be the main focus. And hopefully it doesn't just kind of dwindle when we get into the the kind of uh, you know, greatness, but the monotony of the Premier League season, and once the transfer window closes and all that kind of stuff, and if results pick up, that's the kind of the thing. It always ebbs and flows and rises and falls with how we're doing, which is always a short term way to look at it. So hopefully, this does have a kind of a long term approach this time. But as you say, it's very, it's it's a bit of a tightrope, I think, for the organisers to walk with regards to what you're asking people to do and also what you're risking. Um, if it does go a wee bit sour and stuff like that, and I appreciate everyone has a different opinion on how. Um, you know, aggressively it should be pursued, but I think they've done a great job. Certainly, in the first instance, and all the all the kind of Twitter stuff I saw before, Ham's all very much urging uh, a level of responsibility around it, where you can make yourself known, but not uh, not jeopardize anyone's liberty or indeed the whole face of the movement kind of thing. So I was I was quite pleased with it. Um. Hi guys, Imran here reminding you that this podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Manscaped. Yes, manscaped.com, your go-to place for all the above-the-waist and below-the-waist grooming needs. You can get everything you need from there, your nose trimmer, your balls trimmer, all the lotions and potions, as Nick would put it. Uh, get yourself onto manscaped.com, get yourself the performance package. It has really everything you'd ever need for that sort of thing. It's a really good kit. I've got one myself, and I, it's fantastic. I can't think it's praises more. Um and you can support the pod by going on to manscaped.com and using the code UnitedHour20. Yes, UnitedHour20. That gets you free uh, shipping and 20% off your order. That's UnitedHour20 for free shipping and 20% off your order. Get to manscaped.com now. Another great way to support the pod would be to join our Patreon, uh, United Our Patreon. It's a small amount a month that helps us with our running costs and generally keeping this podcast free for you. And in return, you get access to a couple of extra pods a season and you get to join our Match Day Discord where we talk about the game and, yeah, join us in our conversations. Uh, that's United Hour on Patreon. And also, we want to grow the podcast this season, so please tell your friends about us, tell United fans about us, get us followed on Twitter, get us followed on Instagram, all the good stuff, and, yeah... Cheers for supporting the pod as always. There is though shiny new toys to talk about, Ashwin. Um, so two really, although we are being told there could be as many as two more after this possibly, um, but we have signed Casimir. He was there today. I don't know if anyone saw his interaction with Keane, um, which I thought was really nice. Yes, that was great. Brilliant. I just think he seems, I was, I'm, you know, I'm going to hold my peace about this, this transfer. It'll probably do for next week's pod because um, we're coming at the end of the hour but I am on the fence about it as much as I think he is a great player but everything about him from his leaving speech at Real and all the tears and stuff to the interview he gave about United to his reasons and then to his appreciation for Kino I thought was just so genuine that he clearly just wanted to have that moment with him and have a chat with him um, he, he seems like a, a, a really 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 decent human being and leader kind of thing so that's very cool and then I don't know if you also saw, but Anthony was watching the game with his agent, watching yeah, the United yeah, game, agent. which is obviously a good <laughs> advert. So what do you reckon about those signings, Ashwin, quickly, and about any future business we might do before the end of this disastrous window? So I think the one thing I will say is for as weird as our transfer business has been, 
Um, and I don't think it's long term. I'm not sure it's very inspiring how we've gone about this market. Um, but the players they have brought in seem to want to be here for reasons that go beyond a nice paycheck, which comes with playing with for United. Um, like Malasia, we talked about him obviously. Ericsson, I think, you know, is it it's like his last opportunity at a top club, right? I don't think it's anything really beyond that. Um, but that's a, that's a motivating factor for a player like him, right? As somebody who literally nearly died. Um, and then you have Martinez, who I think also is here because this is like a massive opportunity for him. You know, um, it's just, I think you have players that are motivated that are coming in. Casemiro is obviously very different in the sense that like, I don't think he was forced out of Real. I think they were happy to keep him. I think they wanted to keep him maybe, but they obviously have invested deep in their midfield. Casemiro, you know, he can see the writing on the wall that you know, that's how Real is, right? That's the type of club it is where it doesn't matter how good you have been. It's how good are you going to be moving forward because we have these young stars waiting to replace you. Um, and I think United is an opportunity for him. And, you know, I thought the quote he gave about, like, he they asked him something about dropping a level, and he was like, yeah, well, I want to be a reason to, like, bring United back to the top. And I know that's, like, a very cliche kind of line, but he's not really, like, a player that... Like, I, I saw people talking about, oh, well... Of course, the Glazers are spending money on somebody like Casemiro so they can sell more shirts now. And it's like, are there a lot of people like lining up to buy Casemiro shirts? Yeah. Is that the a old thing? CDM uh, position doesn't normally so. sell the shirts? Yeah, but but yeah, but I mean, he's just a player like I've loved him forever. Uh, so for him to yeah, be, I'll a, him. yeah, I've always, I've just loved him, love him, love him. Um, so for him to be at United, like, is it the smartest transfer? It, it's like I think the way to describe it is. I don't think it's intelligent that we paid as much for him as we did, given his age. I don't think it's an inspiring piece of business. But I also think if you can get a world-class player at a position of need, like, and that is a major, that's probably the biggest position of need we've had since, what, Carrick basically retired. Um, like, if you can get that, then sure, like, we can nitpick and talk about what the flaws are. But in the short term, anyway, like, I don't doubt for a second. He's. I don't. I'm not worried about the speed of the Premier League or him adjusting. I think he's going to be fantastic. Um, I think, yeah, Anthony. He that one look. I, I got to say that one is crazy to me. The fees that are being talked about. If Ten Hag wants him, I guess that's the premium you pay to do it. Um, it says again a lot about our recruitment and the fact that they can't identify even a reasonable alternative that should could theoretically cost less. Um, but he looks like a pretty dynamic talent. He is a left-footed right winger, which is something obviously that the squad right now doesn't have a lot of. Uh, Ten Hag obviously doesn't think that uh, Ahmad is ready. So, you know, it is what it is. So you have to go by Anthony. I don't know. He looks a talent. He definitely wants to be here. Again, like another player. I don't think, yes, the pay the paycheck will help, but like I don't think he wants to come to United just because of that. I think he wants to come to United to play for Ten Hag and because it is a step up in his career. And um, the other one that we've been linked with is Gakpo uh, from PSV, which there's a lot of conflicting reports about like whether he's an alternative to Anthony or if it's getting them both in, which I think if we have the financial wherewithal to do that, that would be the optimal thing because as awesome as this match was today, it also was very revealing how thin our attacking depth is, right? Like yeah, totally. you had like a 10 minute period where you had Ericsson playing striker essentially, but you just like, you need bodies. We need attackers. So if we can get both those across the line for the window closes, that would be fantastic. I think we ideally we'd like another center midfielder and a right back also and a goalkeeper. Frankie's but... coming Ashwin. <laughs> he absolutely 100% is yeah, not, well, uh, Jimmy. Yeah, um, he's and, and, oh, and then we got linked to that 100% delusion. in Germany, right? Trap. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, maybe a bit more business. Um, I largely agree. I think uh, Casemiro might be a brilliant signing for literally all the wrong reasons in the end. You know, it kind of doesn't matter how you arrive at it, but it's hard not to feel like they're absolute jokers, to be honest, but they've just pulled a rabbit out of the hat. Um, yeah, Anthony, I think it's a ridiculous overpay, to be honest. I do not not want them as a player, but I absolutely think we are... It just has panic written all over. I think it's crazy money. And Gakpo actually really would like. I think he looks like a good talent, and I also think he'd be more 
of a number nine for us possibly than a winger, but can obviously fill in. Yes. Yep. And if that yep. meant Ronaldo could leave or was you know pushed out a wee bit more, then I'd be um all the happier. Um, obviously we have Southampton next week. Um, early kickoff on Saturday. Quickly predictions, Jamie. Three no. Yeah, Ashman. Southampton or United? Oh, United. That's it. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm well on, well on the train. Yeah, we're back. We we're are absolutely back. Everyone for the next month. So, yeah, yeah, I'll say. Uh, I'll say. Two one United. The other uh, good thing, two absolutely solid predictions. The other good thing is that um, if we hadn't scored tonight, our goal of the month would have been an own goal scored by Brighton. Uh, <laughs> but actually, we scored two really good goals, so we actually have a very credible um, goal of the month to look forward to. So August hasn't been a, an absolute disaster, listeners. Um, Can I actually add something in, Colm, just quickly? Go ahead, Jim. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's basically at the end of the game, Ten Hag went and got interviewed by Sky both like uh, sorry Dave Jones Keane Carragher and Neville are all on the side of the pitch and interviewing him and this just makes me love him even more so they asked him what was different between this week and last week and he said look attitude's the main thing if the attitude's not there you can talk about tactics and all of that but it doesn't matter your attitude has to be right and guess what when our attitude's right we can fucking play football Yes, he dropped the <laughs> F-bomb on Sky and did not even give a an F about yeah. it. And it was absolutely magic. Class. He's, he's an intense guy. I don't know. Oh, he is an intense guy? Yeah, he yeah, he's intense. But yeah, hopefully more of that. And that's good night from me. Good night from me. Night trips. United Hour is part of the Sports Social Network. Edited by Imran Lahair. And our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter, United underscore hour, or email us at unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.